lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Welcome to a special three-part, three-day event. It's the year 2018 in review here on Blaze Media on the Steve Day Show. I am Steve Day's Todd and Aaron are here with me as they are each and every day. We are joined by our very good friend, Shannon Joy. We'll tell you why she is here in just a moment. We love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. For those of you listening on the podcast edition here later today or later on on demand, last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. So I mentioned it's a special three-day event. Uh, Three days looking back at the year that was tomorrow. We're going to have our top stories of the year. We're going to look back on the predictions I made for this year, a year ago, and see how many of those were right. Maybe. Probably not. Uh, And much more. And then also on Friday... The whole show, we're cleaning out the, the email inbox on Feedback Friday. As many of the remaining emails you've sent to us uh, throughout 2018 as we can get to before we bid adieu for the year and come back again on January 2nd. But I mentioned that Shannon is here. And the reason why, it's one of our favorite shows of the year. It is time for the special two-hour edition of the year-end Dace Group. This time, it's the year that was. The year that was 2018 for the next couple of hours here, live and on demand on the Blaze Media. We have broken the year down into several categories. Awards, some of them are humble brags, some of them are actual brags, some of them are for general jackassery. And then we will each give our chosen winner, who knows, we may even agree, because we've not seen each other's choices. No one has seen how everybody else has voted in these various categories. So it will be fascinating to compare notes and you'll be doing it here with us in real time here on the Blaze Media. And we begin with the year's biggest winner, Todd. Uh, I I don't even think there's a possible close second on this, but it's uh, Brett Kavanaugh. That for him to come out smelling clean on the other side after crawling through a river of blankety blank like Andy Dufresne did in Shawshank Redemption, hmm. man. I mean, that, that that guy looked like he was the stared abs- death in the eye. Yeah, de- the definition of dead man walking, and there he is on the Supreme Court. Whatever you think about him as a judge, uh, he pulled off a rare feat. Shannon, your winner of the year. So it pains me to say this, but the winner of the year for me is President Barack Obama. So uh, he has skated off into early retirement. He is going to be a billionaire in just a couple of years. And unfortunately, uh, as we close out 2018, we are seeing his signature legislative agenda still in place. So Obamacare, DACA, his transgender policy in the military, Common Core, and a whole host of other issues uh, and agenda items are locked firmly in place, unfortunately, by this Republican GOP Congress, Senate, and presidency. Sorry. You know what? I, that was just so charming. She's sitting there by the fireplace, Christmas trees in the background. Yeah. Relax. She looks great, too. I don't know what we're allowed to say as guys to women anymore with political correctness. So we'll just say you look good. 
All right. So she looks good. She's sitting there relaxed. Probably that's her husband's lazy boy. Or maybe what she reads to the kids, you know, uh, bedtime stories, the blanket on the back. It looks so cozy. And she just sits there, you know, with her with not a single hair out of place and says, you're all irrevocably screwed. <laughs> Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. That's why we like her. Aaron, your biggest winner of the year. The biggest winner is unquestionably, and I'm going to say the same thing Todd said about uh, Brett Kavanaugh. I don't think there's a close second. It's Mitch McConnell and the D.C. establishment because they lost control of one chamber of, well, one chamber of our uh, Congress uh, and get control of the other so they can do absolutely nothing while campaigning as um, absolute conservatives. You're all screwed. No, um, this is... (laughs) No, she didn't feel. I mean, yeah, uh, this it is. It doesn't have the same charm from a millennial yeah. and a hoodie. And no, Todd. No, it doesn't. Doesn't quite give you the warm fuzzy. Haven't, actually, haven't shaved in two weeks. You know, funny when it comes from Shane, you're like, ah, oh, so nice. <laughs> from Aaron, I'm like, uh, where's my Second Amendment at? I just like the. Tone. Someone's got to die tonight. There's like. I don't know how many, th- 30 categories. I guess. Already, this is going to be great. I like how, you know, the first one is actually winner. You had a chance to, like, actually be optimistic and then get cynical. Nope, straight to maximum yes. cynicism. You want to know what's sad? You want to know what's totally sad? And I've, did this, I've said this to your mom before, Aaron. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had the exact same winner that Aaron did for all the same reasons. I even wrote it down. I even wrote down perfect situation for ditch. Their rhinos won every contested primary, often with Trump's help, like yeah. in Mississippi, for example. They, they kept the Senate majority, but they lost the House, so they won't have to do anything except judicial nominations, which, when you boil it down, that's really the final fig leaf. That's the last yeah. remaining, you know, uh, precious for the GOP base anyway. The, Mitch McConnell's the biggest winner of the year. Yep. I, I, and Aaron, you nailed it, man. I'm sorry. No, if, 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 no if Mother you nailed Mac- it. No. Yes, yeah. if Mother McIntyre's watching right now. <laughs> I remember when you got this job and she came up to me and said, thank you. And I said, don't thank me yet. Plus he earned the job. You don't know what's, what it's going to do to him. Well, we're, we're, <laughs> we're two years into this and now I'm, uh, I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry. We broke your son. I'm I thought sorry. about bringing my flask in today as well. We might need it <laughs> later on. Uh, let's go to biggest loser. Hey, Shannon, we'll start with you this time. Biggest loser of the year. All right. So for me, the biggest loser is the conservative movement. So uh, big talkers, the conservative media, Uh, some of the conservative political action groups and advocacy groups. As a mom, you know, I have, my my son is 12 years old and uh, every so often he wants to hang out with some friends that are a little naughty, right? They might not be the friends that I would choose for him to hang out with. And so we have the conversation when he, when he asks, you know, if, if he can hang out with these guys, I always ask him, well, you know, who's influencing who? As long as you're influencing them, always keep an eye on whether or not you're influencing them or they're influencing you. And I think the conservative movement, while uh, when they went into the business of defending President Trump and advocating for President Trump, thought that they would be influencing him. But I see I think as as we are now two years out, we've seen the conservative movement has been completely influenced um, by Donald Trump, unfortunately. So for me, the biggest loser, the conservative movement. Todd. Uh, it's always interesting when we answer these, how we just perceive them. Do we perceive these questions in a very personal way? Uh, the broad way, the one that I think is closest to the intent of the questions when we let snark get in. This one's pretty personal to me. I think it's objectively true as well. It's the Catholic Church. Mm. Uh, listen, the, it, it, whether you, if you're, I think Steve is the kind of Protestant who understands the truth of this matter. Even if, if you're not Catholic, if you're not Catholic, uh, 
you still understand that from a Orthodox Christian perspective, the Catholic Church is the 400-pound gorilla in the move. He acknowledged in the room. He acknowledges this in terms of the importance of the Catholic vote over the years. Uh, the, the fact that this uh, the Catholic Church is in, in, in mired once again in a disaster of its own making is not good for the testimony of Orthodox Christianity in general. On any level to not have its voice prominent uh, to so easily ignored not even ignored just flat out marginalized as a joke um it, it is not good for anything we talk about any issue on a daily basis mm-hmm. aaron um anybody who thinks alexandria ocasio-cortez <laughs> is a joke um because she is not a joke she is the future unfortunately and maybe the future is a joke but it's uh it's a joke it's it's like um it's like the jokes that that one writer for Vox, I think, uh, talked about how comedy doesn't need to be funny anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the that's the kind of joke that we're heading for, and I don't think that uh, she's very sincere. She's very sincere in her in her um, in her belief or lack thereof. We're not really quite sure yet, um, but as long as she's sincere, she can basically get away and say anything. And so, for that reason, anybody who does not take her seriously on her face. Um, that's the biggest loser. That's right on the money again, man. I, that's not my pick, but you're, first of all, all your answers are really good. Uh, but what I like about the point you made there is she is a joke and the joke is on us. And she's also the future. You know, we've often pointed out on this show over the, over the last few years, everything Democrats say about, well, most of everything Democrats say, or the liberal media, maybe more specifically says about Trump, much of it is true. What does it say about them though, that they lost to that guy, Right. Well, much of the stuff that we are panning Ocasio-Cortez with is true because it's her own words. What does it say, though, we, we kind of lost the next generation to people like her? What does that say about us? I think, I think that, that side's true yeah. a bit as well. Yeah. Uh, my biggest loser is, uh, is Michael Cohen. I mean, I, I don't know a single individual in America that suffered more of a fall. And I, I even went back and looked at the timetable as recently as April uh, before they, the, you know, they raided his offices in late April. This was the president's uh, number one guy. Uh, he was the first mate. Uh, he began the year as uh, Don Trump's uh, chief capo, and he ended it uh, as a disgraced Sammy the Bull. So that's why he's my biggest loser of the year. Big, best politician, Aaron. Yeah, I'm, I'm defining – this is impossible to answer, but I'm defining this as somebody who understands um, how to play the game maybe uh, in, in not, the, not the GOP establishment. Well, I guess it would be a little bit of the GOP <laughs> establishment way. But I'm giving it to Kim Reynolds back here in our in our home state of Iowa, who actually figured out and respected her base and didn't take them for granted towards the end. And that's one of the main reasons why she won. So in terms of just politician, as far as understanding how to win and not taking your base for granted. Now, what happens now? I don't I don't have any aspersions of uh, any any good tidings as far as what her the rest of her term as governor will be for Iowa. Um, But as far as down the stretch, I thought that she did pretty well. Shannon, best politician. For me, hands down, it's Donald Trump. Uh, The idea, and I'm coming from New York, and here up in New York, we know a New York City liberal Democrat when we see one. And the idea that a New York City liberal could come in and so dominate the political atmosphere for so many years and also so, um, so influence the conservative movement is astounding to me. I know he says he's not a politician, but for me, hands down, it's Donald Trump. Todd, best politician. 
Nikki Haley, uh, uh, yeah. speaking of coming out clean on the other side, to whatever you thought all of her— And she sold her stock at, the, oh, at yes. its highest point, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you thought about her, or whatever her positives were, the things you hoped would be positive, uh, you only got accentuated. I mean— Tough as nails. Uh, uh, never once sacrificed uh, genuine uh, femininity. W- was proud of it in, in several examples. I can imagine. Just refused to be put in any boxes. It, it it's unbelievably rare. Uh, no, in politics, in regular life, to to just be able to stand and deliver in the swamp like that. Bravo. Uh, those are all good calls. I hate to do this. I, Aaron and I agreed again. I had the exact same answer as Aaron again, and and I I chose to do this because I've been a skeptic and a critic of Kim Reynolds for several years, and I just thought it was only fair that if I'm going to criticize her when she does follows the template and blueprint, I've been trying to get politicians like her to follow most of my career, and most of it uh, has fallen on deaf ears, and then she finally does it and wins. And survives an election she should have lost, and uh, you know she's got congressional candidates uh, on the ticket that have that have incumbency that are losing and dragging her vote total down. And the way that she pulled it off is she finally realized, you know what, I'm going to get all of the backlash for signing that heartbeat bill. It is time I get all of the credit for doing it as well. And as in the final days of the election, she went closer and closer to her base and shocked the pollsters and everybody else by winning. Now, I have no idea what she'll do now with another term. I'm highly cynical. But you know what? I'm I'm not gonna I'm I'm just gonna go off of what I know right now. And I thought she pulled off one of the biggest political feats of this year, uh, and so that's why my own state's governor Kim Reynolds was my best politician of the year. All right, let's go back to you, Todd. Most defining political moment of the year for you? Uh, now this is one where almost certainly we we will all end up on different things. At least this year, I I think we we easily could. Um, mine is uh, the Twitter bans. I just think they encapsulate. So much of what's going on from a social media obsession to intersectionality to media bias. It just says a lot within one storyline and fairly recently, we did just within the last couple months. But I predicted many months ago that this would be the year that social media goes from being biased to just simply being overtly partisan. And that, in fact, has happened. Shannon, your most defining political moment of 2018. For me, it would be the passage of the minibus spending bill in August of this year, mainly not only because it once again, it was the fifth or sixth spending bill that uh, kept in place the majority of President Obama's legislative agenda, specifically the funding of Planned Parenthood, $500 billion a year, bringing that to $1.5 billion that the Republicans have now sent to Planned Parenthood, but a whole host of other uh, spending issues and priorities, uh, refugee resettlement, funding of DACA, et cetera. And it was it was profound to me because really it signaled the last the last gasp of conservative opposition, namely in the fact that Ted Cruz, uh, who had consistently opposed such bills throughout his career as a senator, voted for it. In addition to me, it signaled the impetus, impotency of the Freedom Caucus. Uh, their inability to um, wage any sort of influence. And it was the last chance for them to have a budget battle. Uh, and uh, so that, to me, was the most profound moment in 2018. Aaron. Uh, mine is because of what Shannon said. Um, 
quote, I will never sign another bill like this mm. again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the man of the people who fights for you. He's the populist who really, really is going to change the dynamics in Washington. I will never sign another bill like this again. He said that back in March about the omnibus. Uh, and of course, he signed signed other bills like that multiple times. So, So there's that. I thought I almost didn't put this down because I thought everybody was going to pick it and I didn't want us all to sound the same. But uh, so I'm glad that nobody else picked it. To me, I thought the most defining political moment of 2018 was Brett Kavanaugh going off in that hearing. Um, if he doesn't do that, uh, if 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 he doesn't essentially depart from the uh, the bushy play nice paradigm, uh, if he doesn't follow along with the boring and, uh, you know, and right when we're about to get to a point that matters, uh, we've got a yield time and whatever they were doing with that female prosecutor that just uh, you know, made your, your, your eyes bleed watching. Um, if, if he plays along with that, there's no way, no way he's on the Supreme Court and his life is essentially forfeit right now. I mean, he is, he's, he's, he's wearing the largest scarlet letter in, in American culture at the moment. And whether you thought this last election was a wave or not for Democrats, if the Republicans had permitted that to go down that way, we wouldn't be debating whether or not this was a wave. I think you would have seen, they already lost 40 seats, add another 20, 25. Maybe the Senate's gone at that point. I think you so would have said to your base, there is really no point in voting for us that we're going to allow an obvious character assassination to take place. Um, and and Kavanaugh would have had such a lame defense that he wasn't worthy of standing by anyway. So that's what I thought it was the most defining moment uh, of 2018. Who was the biggest traitor? Shannon, who was the biggest trader of the year? I'm going to go with the sweet meteor O'Death, Steve, in terms of the biggest (laughs) trader. Um, I really thought that it was going to come and put all of us out of our misery. What do we have to do here? What does it take to bring on a cataclysmic event? For goodness sakes, man, you can't even trust divine judgment anymore. Go ahead, Aaron, your biggest Um, trader. Biggest trader. This is... um this is probably probably a little harsh, um, maybe even undeserving, um, but I'm giving it to Jar Jar. I mean uh, Ben Sass. Um, Ooh. He Ooh. is not apparently capable of just just being just just being consistent in 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 something other than his inconsistencies. He votes amazingly, um, but his rhetoric it's just. I until he stops straddle, trying to straddle the fence and being too cool for school and not playing the game, um, I'm he's he's politically he is useless to conservatives. Not as a person, he's he seems like a great guy, and um, again, he his voting record is amazing. Um, but just this kind of clumsy um, demeanor that he has when he's out in the press, he's just he's he's wearing he, he, that act is wearing very thin on me. Ouch. Todd, your biggest trader of the year. Uh, women's teams, and I use teams literally and uh, figuratively in terms of other uh, uh, group settings, uh, who let men compete on them. Uh, mm. How you're not taking a stand in the name of feminism, right and wrong, whatever. Um, and in the most recent example, allowing a 6'3", 200-some-odd-pound Australian who likes to wear dresses play handball with you and just destroy you and we've there's mma stories about this uh ladies come on man 
This is not – if you don't fight this, feminism matters on no level. I don't have to take you seriously on any level unless you will fight for yourself on this front. That's that's a good one. My biggest traitor – I'm going to go with all of the hospital workers that carried out the state-sanctioned execution of Alfie Evans oh. earlier this year. Yep. There was not a single act of civil disobedience. Not a single resignation. Not a single person even went out and publicly protested whatsoever. That That's death of the West kind of stuff. That's we're just following orders kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. And if you want to know where the worst moments of human history, the Dark Ages, Third Reich's um, fascism, Bolshevik and Menshevik clashes, inquisitions, the, the lowest of the low points of human history. Uh, the Valley of Ben-Hinnom, if we're going to use a biblical example. If you want to know what the spirit of the age it, it, that leads to these sorts of, of darkest moments in the history of a fallen world, it's that. The idea that, I, that, that no one will say no. No one will defy the zeitgeist and all will comply because resistance is futile. Uh, every one of those hospital workers, in my view, they were the traitor of the year. Most boring Aaron, who was the most boring this year? Uh, this is another, probably a little harsh, not quite as harsh as the last one, but Ted Cruz. I mean, he was conservative darling, um, and he's just, this is what happens when you're around Washington for so long, uh, or the longer you stay around Washington, I should say. Um, I just, I, what has, what fight has he really led, um, our conservative warrior Ted Cruz? What fights has he really led um, the last couple of years? I, I don't know. Um, in he has an opportunity to really paint some bold um, differences between uh, Trumpism and conservatism. I get it that he's in some time, sometimes he's in an impossible position. I get that. And he's human as well. I, I understand that as well. Um, but at the same time, for somebody who um, has shown before that he has the stones that he does, he really has, I don't know. I don't know if it's the, it, for whatever reason, he's just boring right now and stale. Here's the thing, because I know people are going to ask me what my take on what you just said is, so I'll just give it preemptively. I don't disagree with your criticism. Where I struggle, though, is if I were working for him, I don't know what fights I would tell him to take on. I mean— Yeah, you, unless you because, want to be painted as Jeff Floyd. Yeah, yeah. I, get that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's, there's no reasonable—I mean, let me give you an example. I saw yesterday that he came out and said, unless there's a writer on this uh, prison reform bill— that absolutely makes it certain violent offenders won't get out early. He's not voting for it. And if he doesn't vote for it, they don't have the votes. And I thought, uh, uh, I'm sorry, but why does Ted need a writer on the bill promising that violent offenders won't be let go when I've had every righty source for the last six months that's advocating this assure me that violent offenders won't get let out early? That's the world. Now, I'm not... I'm. I'm just saying the, those guys, and I'd put maybe, and this is maybe where if, if I've been too tough on SAS, there's some truth in it for him too in this situation. <clears throat> what fight would they take up that is anything other than I just don't want to be here anymore, and so I'm just putting myself out of my misery? What 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 chance of success would it have? The environment they're in is beyond impossible. I mean, we we just said here, there's there's there, Freedom Works. I don't know what to say that someone's lying to you. Either Ted Cruz lied to you yesterday or Freedom Works has been lying to you for six months about this bill they've been advocating with Koch Brothers money 
uh, for prison reform. It, don't you think it's one? I don't know. Now, I don't know which one it is. I've not read the bill, but either Ted Cruz is lying to you that the bill would have let it, and it's, and it's in the form we've been sold, was going to let violent offenders out, or Freedom Works has been lying to you for the last six months and they told you that's not true. But one of those things is true. And, and our base is constantly being asked, which side of the horse pucky, do you, do you know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah, it's just, it's dueling banjos of horse pucky. The truth becomes very difficult to obtain. Anyway, Todd, you're most boring of the year. Uh, that's, for me, Donald Trump. <laughs> he, you know, for, he's, for a bull in a china shop, we we all expected so much more. I mean, this is it's just it's silly, it's tawdry, it's juvenile, it's petulant. Uh, we this system, the swamp, it needed a bull in the China shop, and this is um, this town it, needs yeah, a better class yeah, of criminal. Does, is what I hear you saying. It does. This is just every it, it, to the degree we find it fascinating. You sound like Kurt Khan. I'm laughing yeah. at the superior intellect. Yeah, yeah. To the degree bit. we find it fascinating, it's just in a head in our hands. Dear God, is this really happening? This. You mean it, like today admitting that he hired a dumbass? <laughs> he, he just admitted today, I, hey, I hired a dumbass for Secretary of State and then I left him there for a year. You mean stuff just, like that? Yeah, I'm, just bo- I'm just bored of it. It's yeah. going nowhere. Shannon, you're most boring. It's interesting. It was a t- For me, it was a tie between Ben Sass and Ted Cruz. So, oh. you know, here I am with, you know, but I would say if I had to choose, I would say Ben Sass. He was one of those guys that... Um, really um, excited your imagination. He said some really great things about the Constitution and, uh, you know, the the founding of our nation and really got you thinking about the role of the federal government, the role of the Senate. But then it just kind of petered out, you know, it's like this car that took off really fast and then something broke and then it just kind of, you know, just fell apart in, in mid route. Now it's just kind of boring. So for me, uh, I'm bored of Ben Sass. Yeah, I mean, he wooed you. He got you to yeah. the altar, right? You had a yep. great reception. You get to the hotel and you're like, all right, man. And then you're still like an hour and a half later. He's still talking and you're like, all right, man. Then like three hours later, every guest is gone, right? And you're like, all right, man. He's still talking. Yeah, nothing happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, these babies aren't going to conceive themselves, right? That's kind of what Ben Sass's act is. Yeah, I agree. All right, my most boring. Um, the cult of Never Trump, which has become a, a cult to rival the Trump cult in the last year. I, I am just, I'm, it's contrived. It's predictable. Um, it's, uh, it, it's this guy, Tom, whatever his name, at the Naval War College. It's Bill Chris. It's, just, it's Evan McMullen. I, and it's just, it's just enough. You're answering in the same way I did, but about a different yes. target. I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. I'm espe- and I'm especially find these people pathetic because Trump's handing them ammo all the time to justify their never Trumpism. And, and, and yet it's not really never Trump. It's never conservative. That's really what it, it's never truth. That's really what it is. Okay. Um, and, and yet we sit around a chunk of conservative media sits around and all they do all day is respond to these guys. They don't represent a huge swath of people. They don't represent a lot of voters. You know what I think it is? I think that they just were all in on the same scam for so many years together on cable news in the Bush years that you just kind of, you're like, you know, feel like these guys personally betrayed you that they didn't join the new scam, you know, but wanted to do the continued, the old scam they were doing before. It's just, I, I, I'm beyond bored with the whole thing. All right, we got less than two minutes. Most charismatic, quickly, Todd. 
Uh, Ocasio uh, Cortez, for the reasons uh, Aaron mentioned for not underestimating her, since we just find different categories to put her in, but uh, she's ultimately captured the hearts of a lot of people. So th- you got to keep her in a your uh, assessment of reality for the next uh, four to six years. Shannon, most charismatic. Uh, my pick was Ocasio Cortez as well. Mm. Uh, very charismatic, well spoken. I don't think she has as much power and influence as. Um, you guys tend to think, but in terms of uh, charismatic nature, she has it. Aaron, most charismatic. Most charismatic. If it's possible for something like a T-level to be charismatic for like a weekend in late September and early October, Lindsey Graham's <laughs> T-level was very charismatic, and <laughs> I think he wins, or his T-level wins for, <laughs> for the year. Oh, that's a good answer. I almost don't want to even give mine now. <clears throat> uh, my most charismatic, I just went with Donald Trump for the second year in a row. I mean, like it or not. Uh, he is uh, he's the most dominant personality in every walk of American life, and that's why I voted for him. All right, when we come back here to continue uh, the Day's Group Roundtable, let's tease the categories coming up. Bummest rap, meaning who got, <clears throat> pardon me, who got the most unfairly criticized this year or what? The fairest rap, who got the fairest criticism. The, the, the comeback of the year will be up there. Uh, most original and stagnant thinker. And the best photo op. That's what's on deck when we come back here with the year-end edition of the Dace Group Roundtable live and on demand here on the Blaze Media. Stay tuned. All right, back here on our special three-day event, the year that was 2018. And one of the big stories of the year just broke uh, a few days ago. I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, 500, I, 500 million, 500 million. There's 330 million people that live in the United States. 500 million identities. So more than the total population of this country were stolen via the Marriott Corporation, which means they've got your credit card number, even that key three-digit code on the back that is supposed to save you or at least somewhat uh, insulate you from uh, credit card uh, fraud. They've got that information. They've got your date of births. A lot of the kind of stuff that you would give uh, a government uh, institution in order to verify your identity, now these thieves have 500 million uh, versions uh, of that information, which means your home title which is the key to your home's equity, the biggest uh, and most valuable investment most Americans have, could be at risk. Here's how you can find out how to protect it. HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com for just pennies a day. HomeTitleLock.com puts a virtual barrier around your home's title. If they detect any sinister activity at all, they're on the case to warn you and protect and defend. And who knows? I mean, your home's title could be vulnerable right now because of this Marriott break-in. Here's how you can find out. It's a free title report and scan, normally a $100 value, but today they're giving it away to our viewers and listeners on The Blaze for nothing. If you just sign up at HomeTitleLock.com, it's worth checking to make sure your most valuable abs- uh, investment is your asset there is secure. HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. All right, let's get back to it. The year that was the special two-hour year in review, day Group Roundtable. And let's begin where we left off. What was the bummest rap of the year? What do you think, Todd? Pronouns. I mean, what the hell did they ever do to anybody, man? <laughs> they can't get a break. You know, what, what's a sis? Who's a he? Who's a she? Um, I feel bad for him. I mean, since we can 
I tell you, they get no respect. No, none. Yeah. None. I mean, they're really, they're just standing there trying to keep a little law and order, you know, just trying to get you across the street. Now it's freaking Frogger out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shannon, follow that. Bummest rap of the year. Go ahead. Oh, I, I struggled with this one. and um, Because Shannon tends to think every rap is, is, is fair. That's why. Exactly. I'm going to go, this is, and in, in, this is a very specific, in a very specific moment, but I'm going to go with John McCain. Um, in the passing of John McCain this year, there were, we revisited his vote in 2017 against the Obamacare, the so-called Obamacare repeal bill. When, in fact, John McCain, I think, did us one of the biggest favors that he possibly could have done, even though he might not have known he did it. Uh, and that is to not allow a fake repeal bill, bill to pass. And that would have been, uh, I think, a disaster just for um, truth, for people to actually, you know, if, had it passed, had it gone into effect, uh, we would have had essentially the majority of the Republican Party and the conservative movement thinking that it had gone away uh, and that there is this big legislative victory. So I'm going to go with John McCain, um, kind of an unsung hero in that one instance. And that's all I'm giving to him. That's it. <laughs> that observation she just made is is why I responded to you about Sass and Cruz the way that I did is because I'm pointing at you there, Aaron, is because look at the environment these guys have to navigate. All right. John McCain was destroyed by conservative media for voting against an Obamacare repeal that wasn't an Obamacare repeal. <laughs> now, that's not why John McCain didn't vote against it. John McCain didn't vote against it because he wanted Obamacare. All right. He didn't, he didn't vote against it because he was coming at it from the right. He was coming at it from the left. On the other hand, though, he voted against a terrible piece of legislation for all the wrong reasons because it wasn't terrible enough, while our guys are out there advocating for it at the same time and telling our audiences that this repeals Obamacare. How in the world do you navigate that? Yeah. How, do you, how, do you, how do you tell the truth in, in, in a world like that? How do you do that? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. All right, Aaron, what do you think was the bummest rap of the year? Uh, the Steve Day show moving to two hours. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm going to make some people mad about this, but I've never seen. Um, you started off the first week. Please stop complaining. Basically, that's I think the bummest. When rap we gave was people us. more content and for their money, were, and they were. <laughs> They're not everybody, but there were quite a few. <laughs> oh my gosh. Capitalism is grand. Uh, my bummest rap, and I'm I'm putting my wonky hat on. All right. Uh, the, the polls were wrong in 2016, so they had to be wrong in 2018. Once again, they weren't wrong in 2016, as I have explained. How many times, guys, have I explained and gone through this exercise now? Uh, 418, I believe. Yeah. All right, well, 420, blaze it. All right, we're going to do a couple more times. All right. Uh, the polls were not wrong in 2016. They were actually pretty much dead on right. And they were even more right in 2018. And the forecasters were right as well. Guys like Nate Silver, who was rightfully panned in 2016, he was the. It's guys like that do what Nate Silver and I do, the projecting of what the polls mean. We were the wrong ones that were wrong in 2016. So Silver was way wrong in 2016. By the way, Nate Silver's 2018 election uh, out forecast: Republicans plus two in the Senate, Democrats plus 40 in the House. As we sit here today in mid December, what's the actual result <laughs> of the election? It's exactly that. Plus 40 Democrat in the House, plus two Republican in the Senate. So I, I think the uh, those of you that, again, and, and by the way, it's the same people that then are happy when Trump uh, tweets out the Rasmussen polling results that is completely incredible or not credible. So that I thought was the bummest rap of the year. Fairest rap. Shannon, I'll go to you this time. CNN and in the lamestream news media. This is one of the criticisms that is leveled 
uh, by Donald Trump and, uh, you know, the Trump train, the MAGA train. And, and they really deserve every bit of criticism that they get. They're awful. They're despicable. They lie. They're untruthful. And so that's the fairest rap. Word. Word every minute. Word yeah. every syllable of that. Yeah. Aaron. Uh, the National Review at all thumb-sucking class. They deserve the uh, the rap that they have gotten, at least from this show, because they really do th- suck their thumbs quite a bit. And um, tisk tisk when when bad things happen to conservatives. And, oh, man. 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 Oh, boy. That really smells like urine, but I promise you it's rain. I, it's just... <laughs> Man, man, I wish this wasn't happening, but uh, there's nothing we can do. Stay in your lane. That's that's basically what what National Review does. Now, if Mom McIntyre is watching, I don't apologize for that. You owe me for that. <laughs> all right, you owe me for that. All right, I'm, you, that should be about the proudest you've ever been of your boy. Is that last two minutes right there? All right, Todd. Uh, the migrant caravan. Uh, it might not always be for the right reasons. I mean, this came up right in the heart of a uh, political season uh, as well. But I, I, I do think a more serious conversation than I may as might have expected was possible did actually uh, happen. Arguments were won on the side of uh, reason and logic. That doesn't always happen uh, these days. Um, and uh, But on the other side, I think a fair rap is also given to some of those – who uh, who are against the migrant caravan for, for not all the right reasons. It's far too nativist sometimes instead of arguing from a place of uh, uh, principle. So I think a lot of uh, straw men got exposed in the moment. I don't expect that to necessarily be lasting, but in the moment, that caravan for now has broken up, turned around, and been exposed in many different ways. My fairest rap, when I, when I put this together— it dawned on me as I was writing out my answers to the questionnaire that in 2018, we pretty much learned everything you thought about Donald Trump, bad or good, is all true. That pretty much everybody's right. He is a terrible human being. He's also the only viable voice in, in national government for anything remotely resembling what our base wants at the exact same time. Uh, I mean, everything, just a, just about all of everybody's suspicions, both good and bad, were largely proven accurate during the course of the, He surrounds himself with terrible, immoral, dishonest, criminal uh, people. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it's pretty much, on the other hand, he's capable of commanding the national stage to reset the debate and say the things we've wanted presidents to say for how many years now. He's pretty much everything everybody says on both sides of the aisle. Best comeback of the year, Aaron. What was the best comeback? You know, um, for everything that he's been through and the time that he's spent in Washington uh, prior to this, um, I have to say it's uh, Chip Roy. Not that he ever went away, but uh, he is one of the very few people who I actually am comfortable with, you know, um, sending to Washington. Unfortunately, he's in Texas and I'm in Iowa. But Chip Roy, I think, um, again, cancer survivor, uh, came back from uh, Washington um, and then went back right back in again. So I think he's made a, a big comeback from um, from everything, again, everything that he's been through, and I'm happy for the guy. Congressman-elect Chip Roy now. Best yep. comeback, Todd. Well, considering that the environment we live in involves uh, what just happened to Kevin Hart, uh, Roseanne, etc., one of the best comebacks in Hollywood is uh, Tim Allen and the show Last Man Standing. 
to to be canceled just because he, for all of the uh, uh, reasons that they got canned. Mm-hmm. And I I really I never watched the show before that, and so I started watching the show because of the uh, the comeback. It's cl- it's 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 funny. It's hilarious. It it's a it's a throwback situational uh, comedy. Um, it it it's got in, innocent fun. It also touches on issues. The family isn't all squeaky clean. Um, it's it's a really good show. And kudos to Tim Allen for and part of the reason he succeeds is he just has a, I I don't really give a damn about what you people think. I think this is funny, and quite frankly, I like poking you, and so we're going to keep doing that. Shannon, what was your biggest comeback of the year? I'm going to give this award to our new conservative darling, Lindsey Graham. Uh, this is one of the most amazing turnaround stories I've I've ever seen in in politics. Here you have a a guy who has been excoriated for decades by conservative talkers in the conservative media as the epitome of the rhino elite progressive swamp in Washington D.C. And in in the span of a few weeks, he became overnight the new conservative darling. I think he's on with TikTok Sean Hannity. I mean, every other. Day and we just we just love him. He's great. So for me, best com- comeback hands down goes to Senator Lindsey Graham. What is it? What's the what's the what's the uh, screen capture? Uh, you yeah. new conservative hero? Yeah, Aaron? new conser- conservative hero um, trademark because that's all that matters. Because he's probably got a book and it's going to be a CPAC and cha ching. That's right. <laughs> oh gosh, I've broken so many people. Everybody, I, everybody I've ever hired on this show, I just they end up leaving and they're like, I can't. Too much truth. I can't do this anymore. All right, let's get to a best comeback. I'm going Alabama quarterback Jalen Hurts. Uh, When you look at, he started the year, it was last, it was in January of this year. He got benched in Atlanta in the national championship game at halftime against Georgia. And Tua Tagovailoa comes off the bench. uh, It leads a heroic comeback for the ages. Alabama wins. And suddenly, you know, Jalen Hurts is selfish because he may transfer and he wants to play. Because, I mean, it's totally unreasonable the former SEC Offensive Player of the Year doesn't want to sit on the bench. I mean, what a, what a piece of crap. All right? That guy must be, right? Yeah. So he decides to stick around. Battles for the job in training camp. Doesn't beat Tua out. Watches Tua become really a, a force of nature, a viral cultural meme during this season where you know the big story of the college football season was how many snaps in the fourth quarter would Tua play because him and Alabama were so dominant that they just you know put all the, the scrubs in at the end of the game every week. And then against Georgia in Alabama a few weeks ago, this for the SEC championship for the conference title, uh, you know, to his ankle gets rolled up on. He can't play anymore. Jalen has to come off the bench. They're behind Georgia just like they were. And he mounts this massive comeback, leads him to the winning touchdown drive. I mean, I'm talking about it again. And just, I'm getting a shiver thinking about it. And here's why. I don't think kids that transfer, and they're not kids anyway, young men that transfer because they want to play, particularly at quarterback, only one guy can play at a time. I'm a capitalist. I mean, coaches get to leave if they want a better job. You have a better opportunity. That's fine. It's not about, it's an automatic, if you stay, you're a hero. If you go, you're a schmuck. It's not like that at all. What I like is that, I like the process by which Jalen walked through his decision. He didn't, you know... And if you follow college football media like I do, like every national columnist and podcast every week in the spring and summer was, why hasn't Jalen Hurts left yet? Why hasn't he gone yet? It's his life, man. And let him play. It's, he, he, what I like is the method he went by making the decision. He didn't make a rash decision. He took his time. 
He did the math, and the decision that was best for him and his family was stay at Alabama, get your degree, go, and if you don't get the job, you can transfer next year and play anywhere you want right away, and you'll have your degree in hand. And this year, if nothing else, you're on another team that might win the national championship, and who knows, you may have a chance at some point to be the hero. And lo and behold, he is now a legend he is a legend. Jalen Hurts has obtained something all men throughout space and time. What is our number one desire and yearning, Todd? Legend status. That's what we all want. We want to be freaking legends. And Jalen Hurts now is a legend. And it's not because he chose to stay. It's the path that he took to make that decision and the way it played out. And that's why he is my best comeback of the year. And what an incredible example I think he set for men of a lot of ages. Don't be in the hurry to make a bad decision. All right. Let's get to the most original thinker of the year. Todd, we're going to you. Uh, This is the whole uh, Jordan Peterson, Dave Rubin experience. Uh, Both guys in, in different ways, uh, figured out uh, what an entire scam the combination of media and academia is. And and it, listen, you don't have to agree with everything those people believe. We, and just, oh, hey, come in and don't do the, the oh, yeah, we're, we're huge fans and latch on to the comedian or the Hollywood star, whatever. They, no, neither one of them is a, a traditional conservative, but they do espouse uh, conservative notions that if we had more of, it would be very, very healthy uh, for the culture. And the fact that they have been uh, huge movers in exposing the scams of the various scams of progressivism, uh, it has been healthy. Shannon. So that was that was my pick as well. It was Jordan hmm. Peterson, and I and I think it's you know he's the it's it was two things that really uh, stick out to me about Jordan Peterson. First, his ability to effectively explain postmodernism in a way that is understandable to millennials and the younger generations. He's been able to capture their imagination via YouTube, but also even more important. What I, what I love about Jordan Peterson and what I think makes him so original is his courage. And, you know, the reason he's famous, the reason he has millions of views on, on YouTube and he's now touring the country and the world with, with his ideas is that he made a decision as a professor in a Canadian university to say no. When they came down on him and said, you have to use the gender pronouns, you have to use the words, He was one guy in obscurity at that time who just said no. He said, you can, you, if I'm not going to use those pronouns and if you make me use them, then, uh, you know, I'll continue to refuse. And if you find me, I won't pay the fine. And if I don't pay the fine and you put me in prison, then I'll go to prison and I'll go on a hunger strike. He just, he, he took it to the necessary level and, and did something that I think is going to be absolutely necessary as we move forward in the 21st century in the next couple years. We need men of courage who are willing to resist unjust laws and willing to stand up and take those consequences. So to me, that's one of the most original 
um, uh, actions that I have seen in, in ages. Just over a minute, Aaron. Go. Yeah. So this person uh, is in my generation and I have not seen somebody who has most uh, as consistently as she has uh, touch on people's hypocrisies on both sides and idols as well as Ali Stuckey with humor and wit. Hmm. And so I think that she, uh, at least this year, she has done that. Again, the key word is consistently because that's really tough to do when you're using humor. She does it really well. That's a good selection. All of you guys made good pick points. I'm going with Thanos. I was going to do that. Too, Were you really? Dang it. Yeah. I'm going with Thanos. He took. I mean, he took the ideas of Margaret Sanger, the most influential woman of the 20th century, and used them to create the most memorable movie villain so far of the 21st century. Not called Heath Ledger's Joker. So I'm going with Thanos. I mean, if you if you look at Margaret Sanger's speeches. I wrote this column earlier this year at Conservative Review. You go with Margaret Sanger's speeches and some of her taglines, and you line them up with some of the catchphrases that that Thanos drops in the Avengers Affinity War movie. It's tough to tell who's the difference. Yep. All right, that's the end for part one of day one of our three-day event. Looking back at the year that was 2018, we'll come back. Hour two of our special two-hour year-end Dace Group Roundtable is next right here on Blaze Media. All right, we're back here with Hour 2 here on The Blaze Media, live and on demand. It's our special three-day event. The end of the year, looking back on the year that was 2018, and here on day one, we have a special two-hour edition of the Dace Group Roundtable. Todd and Aaron are here with me, Steve Dace, as well as Shannon. For those of you that are listening later on today on the podcast, on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E, and let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show, and if you could leave us one of those five-star reviews, we would greatly appreciate it. Hit that subscribe button as well. The more of you that do those two things, the more people that find out about us so we can reach and find more people People just like you. Are you guys ready to continue? You yes. bet. Let's continue the rundown of the best and worst of 2018. Aaron, I start with you, the most stagnant thinker of the year. I'm going to call it um, collectively the tariff cabal, but especially Wilbur Ross. Did you know that just uh, for three, three, uh, three pennies more per Coca-Cola can, that's all you're going to have to pay? So it's really all much ado about nothing. Yeah, nothing like billionaire families that own Major League Baseball teams telling average Americans, you can afford to pay more for a can of soup or And this Campbell's... Yeah, no, 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 nothing says populism like yeah. that, right? Yeah, Shannon, it was awesome. Shannon, your most stagnant thinker of the year. Uh, unfortunately, and this is coming from a Rush baby, I'm going to have to give that award to Rush Limbaugh. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, because he's one of the, the biggest of the big talkers, but I would also give it to the big talkers in general. Um, As an avid listener of talk radio ever since I was eight or nine years old, I've always been a fan of talk radio. Um, You know, you can only take bashing the media, bashing Democrats, complaining about liberal universities, complaining about the liberals, making fun of liberals that you can only do that for so long. Um, You know, things are changing very quickly. The political landscape is changing very quickly. And uh, it's unfortunate because we need these thinkers uh, to be to be on top of their game, but unfortunately I had to give that to, to good old Rush Limbaugh. Todd? Asked and answered, your average journalist. It's magical and not at all broken. I'm going with General Mattis. 
<laughs> and, and the reason why, because when you strip away, I'm, I, I have no deny, I don't deny he dude's a total badass, okay? But when you strip away all the badassery, it's like we've talked about with the NFL kneeler players we talked about a year ago. Mm-hmm. These guys, I mean, these guys would dominate your Orange Theory fitness class. All right, they're American Ninja Warrior, but we forget because we're so focused on the outer shell that in here, they're still just millennial snowflakes, okay? That just, you know, want their way in a world that doesn't exist. So when you strip away the catchphrases and the badassery, he's basically the same neocon progressive foreign policy guy that we wasted the last 20 years with in the Middle East. Endless war, never ends, just more people die. I mean, it just never ends. So to me, this is this is the same stuff we got from Bush or Obama, just with better and just with better and badass catchphrases. It's the same thing. Uh, best photo op, Shannon. I'm gonna go with Kanye West in the Oval Office. It was just, the whole thing was ridiculous, hilarious, devastating, annoying, <laughs> but it was a great photo op with the red MAGA hat and the perplexed the perplexed look on Donald Trump's face half the time when Kanye was. Uh, this guy's crazier than me. <laughs> it was just, I mean, it was perfect. All right, Aaron. Uh, it was at the G7 summit. I think it was in Canada this time. Trump is sitting down with John Bolton behind him and all the European qu- uh, oh, leaders. They're all, up in his they're all up in his grill. And he's sitting there like this. Yeah. Is that what you're talking yeah. about? And with his arms folded? Yeah. yeah, it is funny because it, that picture is really the 2018 version of Mona Lisa because you can't really tell if Mona Lisa is smiling or frowning and you can't really tell if Donald Trump is intimidated or if he's in uh, stiff defiance. It's really all in the eye of the beholder. So that one, that's the best photo op of the year. I think it's a good call. I mean, that's Trump at his best because those people that are all up in his grill, they're all failures. They're they're absolute clowns. They're clown show failures that have driven their cultures into a ditch. That that photo op is Trump at his best. Todd? Uh, Every time I see a picture of children's tranny reading time. I mean, isn't the mouth of hell adorable? Oh, yeah. No kidding. I want a silkwood shower right about now. Um, Man, I feel bad now that I went for something uplifting. I went with Dan Crenshaw on Saturday Night Live. Oh, sure. That's what I went with. I mean, that was that, that, if you want to know what, Steve, what's it look like when a star is born? It looks exactly like that. Good looking dude with an eye patch. You lost an eye for his country. And without backing down, one iota extends mercy and grace while simultaneously clubbing the little punk that uh, stepped to him on national television with deft touch and a plum. Oh, man. What I could do, that's where I start getting my wonky consultant hat on. I start, you hand me a mold of clay like that, we will rule the freaking world. The guy's got that kind of personal touch. Wow. Uh, Let's go to enough already. What are you sick of, Todd? Uh, I'm sick of it, not because I want it to go away, but the, uh, the Michigan State USA Gymnastics controversy happening in the relatively recent shadow of Penn State, we never, ever learn. All, all of these gross problems are already somebody, always somebody else's problems, and I'm always better than that. This is a lesson in total depravity. And my daughters and I have been having conversations about that, like, how, how do people do these bad things? I said, because... You know, when we tell, when we send you to catechism class, um, it's it's because we know adults turn in too much. You think whatever you're seeing at school or on the bus and what kids can, bad things can do, multiple times a thousand, what adults can do and justify it somehow again and again and again. Please, mm-hmm. let's grow up and stop this. Shannon, enough already. What are you sick of? 
Uh, Pocahontas. Any discussion of Elizabeth Warren's DNA is enough to make me want to stick my head in the oven. I hate that story. It is the most boring, inane, stupid story, yet it dominates every single... Buckle up, baby! I've got good news for you. The New York Times just put her down like a rabid dog prior okay, to the Democratic well, primary last week. They said they, they, they just went communist in the arena and said, no, you're out. No, you're done. This is played out. Aaron. Um, any Zapruder film like analysis, over analysis of innocuous things, case in point, and I got really, really ticked at this on a dace group, about the video of Jim Acosta and the White House intern or help or hand or whatever who tried to take the microphone. And for like two or three days, it was, uh, the, 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 the video is doctored. It's not doctored. Jim Acosta grabbed her hand. Jim Acosta's an assaulter. Jim Acosta's this. Jim Acosta's that. The video is doctored. Trump's a liar. No. 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 <laughs> You know what I'm sick of? I can't do it either, man. This is where the dude code comes in and all kinds of things. Just every, basically everything in this world that perturbs me all combines for just one big bile, vial of bile. And that is Trump's filleting of tyrants. I can't even, I can't do it. I can't abide it on a masculine level. I don't know. I, there's nothing American firsty about, uh, hey, this guy from North Korea is just such a great leader. That display... Uh, that went on in Pyongyang back in uh, in in whenever was it May or June? Uh, I no, I can't do it, man. That is so emasculating. It is such. I I just no no. Wait till tomorrow when we do our top ten stories of the year and a video I found of Trump talking about Kim Jong Un. You want me fired? <laughs> I I can't I can't do stuff like that. Like I just, we all have things we can't even with. I, I, I can't filleting evil people. I, I that are just absolute. Uh, no, no, I can't do it. What was the worst lie of the year, Shannon? So I'm going to get into policy a little bit because this is one of the stories that that no one reported on, but absolutely astounded me. And it was it was the statement made by. Uh, Rush Limbaugh and the entirety of the conservative media that Donald Trump had suspended the insurance cartel subsidies. And that was done in a memorandum that was released by President Trump in the fall of 2017. And it was amazing to watch because if you looked at the headlines, both from the left wing media and also the right wing media, the headlines stated that those insurance subsidies were suspended. Uh, I went back and looked at the memorandum. I read it about six or seven times in full. It was about four pages long. And then uh, went and, and looked into actual policy. And the truth is that the insurance subsidies have never been suspended. They were never suspended. Yet the entirety of the American populace thinks that they were. To me, that was uh, the biggest lie of 2018. Aaron, worst lie. Worst lie of 2018 for me was anything involving Robert Mueller and collusion, because apparently we are not capable of even wanting to find the truth. So both sides of the case, really, I mean, there's no effort. There's no effort in actually an honest look at this. So everybody's lying. Nobody is. And everybody, it's just anything involving that case has become so corrupted by your partisan lens that nobody can tell the truth. Todd, worst lie. This is really like the best picture category. This yeah. is because if you're the worst liar in this culture, 
Bravo. <laughs> and so it could have been. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the whole Urban Meyer, Ohio State thing because it was just so pathetic. I'm glad somebody did it. I he, knew I couldn't. He kept, yeah. he kept lying, lying badly. But then because he was doing it so badly, and Steve's like, oh, he's going down, man. I was like, no, no, no. This is just wait because this is like Al, the great Al Gore uh, skit when he was running against George W. Bush on Saturday Night Live. And they, and they said uh, at the very end, uh, I'd like, now you get your uh, closing statements, and Al Gore chimes in. I'd like to take both closing statements, please. Like the Ohio <laughs> State board. It's like, no, no, no. We got, we, we're doubling down here. And they're like, yeah, no, yeah, he lied here and here and here, but yeah, it's bent and twisted this balloon into this weird animal shape. I mean, the whole thing, appalling. Bravo. <laughs> Appalling. Bravo. <laughs> uh, I went the worst lie I thought was the attempted character assassination of uh, alleged marauding mass gang rapist Brett Kavanaugh. You knew it was bad when I was about ready to just give up on the Trump presidency the day he was nominated. You guys remember how bad, I, how mad I was about it? And it actually, would, the, this lie was so bad that dragged me onto the front lines of a fight I really didn't care about just simply because there was a larger point at stake and the precedent could not be set that you could just literally just do this to people, even people as, out, as, as astoundingly mediocre as Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, let's get destined for political stardom, starting with you, Aaron. This is easy. It's got to be Dan Crenshaw for everything you mentioned earlier. But um, the the way that he is able to not only on Saturday Night Live, everybody talks about that. But then a couple weeks later, he was on this big roundtable panel on CBS and mm-hmm. the way that he was just able to not start screaming or get visibly agitated. He's just cool, calm and collected, calling out people's BS. Who knows what his vote, voting record is going to be? That's to be determined. But if he keeps this sort of act up as for all the reason we've talked about this ad nauseum so i don't want to add too much more if he keeps this up then definitely headed for political stardom todd uh global warming because we can't have nice things i mean they they, no one cares about it but they're talking about it again it's going to come it's going to be part of your life it makes sense but here it is (laughs) Shannon, shannon what's destined for political stardom my choice is uh nikki haley i think she will probably be the first uh u.s female president those are good answers, and I agree with Aaron again. I had uh, Dan Crenshaw on my list for destined for political stardom. Destined for political oblivion, Todd. Uh, a black man who wants to host the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, you know what? Uh, this is the Todd and show. He's on a roll. Ladies and gentlemen, let's just get out of the way. Uh, Shannon, destined for political oblivion. Paul Ryan, haven't heard anything from him, and yeah. it can't happen soon enough. I'm so thankful. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron? Uh, Chris Pratt, if he keeps up this stuff of, you know, talking about the gospel and God's love and stuff. Yikes. I went with social justice warrior sports. ESPN cleaned house of most of its intersectionality wannabes. They're gone. Uh, The NFL managed to move on from flag protests and Colin Kaepernick. And the NBA, the most progressive league of them all, enforced ruthlessly the strictest anthem policy of them all. So I I think social justice warrior sports had its run, but like the libertarian moment is gone. Uh, Best political theater, Shannon. Mm. 
This was a tie between the March for Our Lives rally in Washington, D.C. and across schools in America. Three or four hundred schools participated. It was complete astroturf uh, with money from Oprah Winfrey, uh, George Clooney, all of these massive George Soros-sponsored leftist organizations basically putting a bunch of poor, unsuspecting children into buses uh, and... Uh, you know, transporting them down to Washington, D.C. But that's tied with the caravan of illegals, which I also think was uh, massive political theater. Um, you know, I, I think that it was concocted. It was used by both the political right and the political left in order to drive an agenda item pre-election 2018. And so it's a tie between those two. Aaron? Uh, it has to be Jesse Kelly on Tucker Carlson after his Twitter ban um, saying that uh, I need or Twitter needs me more than I need Twitter, basically saying uh, that, the, you know, this really awoken the the um, the right to what Twitter is actually doing and then ending it on the infamous now infamous. I don't know if you can call it infamous, but I like it. Um, if Twitter keeps this up, it's or if Twitter keeps on going down this road, it's just going to end up being a couple of feminists arguing or shouting about accidentally finding a boyfriend. Yeah, that was one of the best lines of the year, I thought. Yeah. I'm going with James Comey, guys. Dude played the left for massive book sales yeah. when, he, when he's arguably the biggest reason they lost the last election. <laughs> that is some outstanding political theater. Worst political theater. I got to get mine on this one, though. Oh, I'm sorry. You'll like it. But, yeah, my, I was reading these out loud to my wife, uh, and, and she said that column Steve wrote him. We did an interview about that state legislator, I think from Massachusetts, who played yes. that legislature yeah, on the pronouns. On the pronouns. Oh, nice. Yeah, I can't remember his name now. Nice. Yeah. Genius. Yeah. yeah, that was Genius. Good. Right, worst political theater. I'll start with you this time, so I don't forget you. Uh, we just talked about it. Uh, yeah, I didn't forget you. You've just been showing me up, and I was going to skip you. I got you. I'm, I got you. Go ahead. Uh, Bush 41 uh, funeral with the... Trump uh, ex-president's front row. Uh, stop it, all you guys on the right and on the left. That was not a moment for you. Many of you thought it was. Um, that's probably why we're the most broken. Get out of the way, please. Aaron, worst political theater. Laura Loomer handcuffing herself to Twitter HQ saying, I want my Twitter. All right, Shannon. I'm going to go with the Kavanaugh hearings. I know that everyone thinks, I mean, to me it was so obvious uh, that they could have confirmed Kavanaugh. Uh, the Republicans control the Senate. Mitch McConnell controls uh, these votes. And we saw how easily they they pushed Gorsuch through. Um, for me, at the very beginning, it was obvious that the, the Republicans concocted this. And again, uh, the Democrats worked with them. They both used it to further their own political agendas. But to me, uh, the whole Kavanaugh hearing thing was WWE wrestling. Uh, he could have been confirmed in three days, but they milked that for everything that they could. I'm going with the CNN town hall after the Parkland shooting. Uh, that launched David Hogg into political stardom as a alleged uh, conscientious social justice warrior and portrayed Sheriff Israel as a dedicated public servant. And I'm reminded, going back and looking at that event now, of what Luke Skywalker said about this time last year to Kylo Ren. Amazing. Everything you just said is wrong. All right. Everything, that entire thing was a false flag operation, a complete and total scam. Shannon, going back to you, most underreported story of the year. So, you know, I'm still very curious about Mandalay Bay. That's one of the stories that always keeps popping up with me, uh, the, the largest mass shooting in the history of the country. Mm -hmm. And 
and the complicity of both the the media on the right and on the left. You know, usually you have the conspiracy websites, the Alex Jones types who are are going in and and you know trying to investigate, and they're not even on the ground in Las Vegas. So. Um, most underreported story, I think, is Mandalay Bay, but also from a geopolitical um, perspective, I think, you know, the coming together of Russia, China and Iran, it, not only um, geopolitically, but also economically, uh, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, which you can read extensively about in Council of Foreign Relations website, um, this is really a, a, a global structure, I think, that is going to try to compete with the United Nations. And so if you thought the United Nations was bad, full of socialists, um, get ready to deal with a with an emboldened Russia, China, Iran, and and a political structure uh, that I think that we're going to have to deal with in the next couple years. So I, I have the, the same answer on the Vegas shooter. Vegas shooting yeah. uh, from my most underreported story. Aaron, your most underreported story? Uh, that's actually what I was going with as well. So I'll give you my second <clears throat> my second one, which was uh, an avowed socialist coming within spitting distance of winning Florida. Hmm. Andrew Gillum. Yep. Todd. Uh, my answer was what uh, <laughs> Steve and uh, Aaron said for the, the very first question, the big winner. It's it, the swamp lives. The, it, we, I don't think we've truly – we think everything is new and unique and we have to have the hot take, but meet the new boss, same as the old boss in many ways. Right. All right, Aaron, I'm going to you. Most overreported story of the year. Kanye West is an acquired taste. He's like a fine wine. He's got so many different flavors and, and levels. That's, that's the most overreported story of the year. <laughs> Shannon – your, your choice here. Russia, Russia, Russia. Uh, not that it's not necessarily, there isn't necessarily a story there, but it is so oversaturated, the left and the right wing media, that people have become fatigued over it. I'm fatigued over it. So the Russia scandal. Todd? Uh, another answer in a different category than many of you had. Uh, it's from a conservative perspective, but Ben Sass. He's overreported as a darling. My answer is so-and-so brave uh, celebrity is brave. By announcing they want to have sex with everything other than a member of the opposite gender, okay? How is this brave when it receives so much acclaim? Aren't things that buck the zeitgeist, like announcing you just want to have sex with someone of the other gender you're committed to, in contrast with with political correctness, isn't that what is actually brave? There is nothing brave about hopping on a bandwagon. Nothing. You're, you're, you're a joiner. You're not Joan of Arc, okay? This is the most overreported story of the year and it just goes on and on and on biggest government waste shannon um i'm gonna say every penny that is spent on education because not only is it a waste of money and uh you know a bloated number but it also contributes to the building of the mob the indoctrination of millions of young American children into socialism, essentially building an army that we're going to have to reckon with in the next decade. Aaron. Um, biggest government waste is all the time and energy and um, and salaries for all the people responsible for the plastic straw ban out in <laughs> California. That's a good one. That's right. a good one. Todd. Federal circuit courts. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Actually, if you're going down that road, why don't we just say the, uh, the, legis- the whole legislative branch? The biggest, whole government. Biggest government waste. Why, why do we have a legislative branch? <laughs> Once you pull branch? on that thread, man. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's just have executives propose legislation, take it right to the courts, and see if they're going to okay, be okay with it. Why do we have legislative branches? Why do we make laws? Um, 
I wish I would have had that answer now. Maybe it'll be my answer next year. My perennial answer when, when I've done this show for years has been the welfare state, but this year I'm going to make an exception. Every cent that's ever been spent on Afghanistan is the biggest government waste. At least the welfare state, I can find families who otherwise would not have eaten food who we fed. All, the, the, Afghanistan is the biggest waste in the history of this republic. And I can't think of a close second except for maybe Iraq. And the waste continues. On and on and on and on it goes. Best government money spent. Shannon. I'd have to go. I mean, this was a very difficult one because I really, I mean, can't justify anything that this federal government spends money on. But I guess I'm going to go with the tax cuts. Okay. Aaron. It's a perennial answer. I think for all of us, it should be anything going towards defense of our country. Todd. Uh, well, my instinctive answer is I refuse to answer because I can't self-incriminate by legitimizing this on any level. But I think we might be ready to find out if what we're hearing uh, in the Twitterverse is true at all, that uh, uh, the chief of staff, General Kelly's, the amount of money we spent on his salary to cheat Trump, like re- relatively lucid and sane, once he's gone, watch out. Yeah, I'm going with the Mueller probe. I'm just kidding, guys. That's not my answer. All right, I just wanted to see what people's reaction was going to be. Um, I, it's funny. Every year when I do this, I, I spend the longest time on this question for all the reasons you guys have articulated. And then I just I just cop out and go to the same answer every time. The salaries and benefits of our soldiers and first responders. To me, they're the only people who have a legit claim uh, on our productivity and prosperity, in my opinion. Boldest political tactic of 2018, Aaron. Um. This is this is uh, this goes in the strategy of bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how this plays out, and it has to be, you know, in the annals of bold things. I mean, you think of Genghis Khan, you think of any of the empires of the ancient world, you think of um, I don't know any 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 you know just straight out up the gut. We're gonna try this, Leroy Jenkins. It has to be the open character assassination of uh, Brett Kavanaugh. That's got to be a bold strategy, don't you think? Yeah. Especially on the with, without any evidence whatsoever. Yeah, and just thinking we're just going to say these things and get away with them because mm-hmm. that's what we're kind of used to doing around here, yeah. right? Todd, uh, seek and you shall find. I mean, you ask this question, and their DNC chair, Tom Press, pick me, pick me. We're going after the pulpits. It's happening. We're going to do it. Okay, Cotton, bold strategy should be fun. Yeah, I don't. The church being asleep is the best friend the Democratic yeah. Party has. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't poke a bear, right? I, I remember was it the Lusitania that the German U-boats sunk prior yep. to World during yeah. World mm-hmm. War One, yep. and one of uh, it was one of the successors of Bismarck uh, said is famously said to the Kaiser, "I fear we have just awakened a sleeping giant." Okay, that uh, and and your the church was about to completely turn the lights out for you. All right, now you've now you've gone and gone full frontal assault on the pulpit, forcing people to speak up who would prefer and have proven for years they will not if you just let them alone and make sure that the, the, the plate gets passed. So I agree. It was, that was a, that, that's a bold stunt. I agree. Uh, and bold can, always, can also mean bad. Shannon, boldest political tactic. So this, in my estimation, is bold and reckless and somewhat terrifying. But I'm going to have to give this award to President Trump and his terrifaxation policy and uh, the Cold War with China. I think that uh, this could have enormous implications on not only American consumers and American small businesses and manufacturers, but 
also some major national security issues and potentially geopolitical ramifications. So I'm going with the 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 tariff war. I'm going back to Kavanaugh's hearing when he broke from the Bushy paradigm. And I remain convinced they had no idea he was going to do that by the way that the senators reacted to him going off. By the fact they had to take a recess, they had to they had to kick to the curb the woman they had that was doing the awkward cross-examination interrupted by time yielded. All right. Um, he he went he went off script, man. Just went Robin Williams, hey, this script sucks. I'm ad libbing this sucker. And it saved his bacon. No question about it. Uh, worst political scandal. Let's see if we can get this one in before we get to the bottom of the hour break. Shannon, I'll start with you. So I don't know if any of you guys have been following this scandal, but the Jeffrey Epstein scandal down in Florida and express. I mean, this is so interesting to me. You have here, you have, and, and also the connection to Alexandra Acosta, who is now the new labor secretary appointed under uh, Donald Trump. You have this uh, this prosecutor from Florida who gave Jeffrey Epstein the deal of a lifetime during the Obama presidency. This prosecutor, Acosta, was also um, appointed during the Bush presidency and then promoted during the Trump presidency. And uh, you have Jeffrey Epstein, who has a, a roster of lawyers, including uh, Alan Dershowitz and Ken Starr. So this is the type of scandal, I think, that touches both the political elite groups in the Republican Party and the Democrat Party and is um, something that that we really don't have the truth on yet. But I find that to be one of the worst political scandals that I've that I've seen recently. I need a quick answer. Aaron, we got 90 seconds. Yeah, I'm going to say uh, this is my forever and always. Uh, it is the Republican Party. They are scandalous in uh, basically everything they do. To quote, to quote the great uh, Michael Scott. Uh, talking to Toby, I hate everything about you. Todd? All, all things ah. Mueller, no matter what it finds out, it's the uh, from the Lego movie, everything you just said is just the worst. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I've ever heard. At no point in your rambling did you come even close to anything uh, that would amount to a coherent thought. Everyone is dumber for having listened to it, and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> Uh, I'm going with Jim Acosta's press pass. Yeah, <laughs> which was exactly yeah. what I just. Uh, yeah, that was the. Yeah. That was what that line, uh, it, famous uh, Adam Sandler movie line. I mean that that entire thing. The fact that you can't get into federal court, seven and a half million voters in California, can't get standing in federal court to defend being disenfranchised when they wanted to have marriage be the law of the land, but you can get federal court standing over Jim Acosta's damn press pass. That's just, that's banana Republic stuff. We'll come back. We've got one more segment to go in our special two hour year end edition of the day group right here on blaze media. Stay tuned. Back here on Blaze Media, this is our special year-end edition of the Dace Group Roundtable. Hey, if you didn't hear my warning last hour, again, you might be, I mean, 500 million people, folks, is more people than live total 
a lot more people than live total in the whole United States. That could be your identity that was taken courtesy of the of the hack of the Marriott Corporation. So protect yourself with identity theft. I know a lot of you are doing that right now, but your home, which is the most valuable asset most of you have, isn't protected by identity theft protection. You need to get home title lock right now. All right. Make sure your home's title is not being used uh, as an opportunity to liquidate that equity by those who have stolen your identity through the Marriott Corporation. Home Title Lock will put that virtual barrier around your most valuable investment, your home and that equity right now for just pennies a day. And you can find out for free, in fact, right now, if your home has already been targeted. Go to HomeTitleLock.com right now. Sign up for a free title report and scan. Normally, a $100 value. They're giving it away to our viewers and listeners here at the Blaze Media today for free. HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. All right, let's get back to it. Let's wrap it up. It's our special two-hour year-end edition of the Days Group, the year that was. What was the best idea of the year, Todd? Uh, I think uh, heartbeat bills. I know you're a big fan of the personhood bills, and they are, while I think more philosophically airtight, uh, they're a little bit too esoteric for the public, and the heartbeat bills hit the emotional points in the the way we need to, and you often advocate for, Steve. Um, and we've had a couple big successes in Iowa and Ohio. Shannon, best idea of the year? Like Article 5 uh, Convention of States, that's something that I think is eventually going to be the necessary answer because Washington, D.C. will not fix itself. I think both political parties are completely broken and corrupted. And in order to fix what's happening in Washington, D.C., we're going to have to do it from the outside in, not the inside out. Aaron. Um, having Pete Davidson and Dan Cranshaw, and his name has been brought up multiple times, uh, but having them co-host mm-hmm. Weekend Update together, best idea politically, because that is the only, I'm dead serious, the only political moment where I think both sides could just exhale for at least yeah. a couple minutes. So I went a little self-serving here because I thought I just had mentioned things with Dan Crenshaw and Brett Kavanaugh enough. I went the best idea of the merger between CRTV and The Blaze. I think sure. it's, a, it's a great yeah. idea to merge uh, the rosters of talent and the combined audiences uh, and to give people more bang for their buck from a value perspective and give them more of an incentive uh, to consume what we're doing here each and every day. Worst idea of the year, Shannon. So I'm also going to go with Article Five Convention of States for the, the worst idea. Um, it's you know, and and because it is a dangerous, um, I, I think, tactic. And there's a lot of debate debate about what could happen in a, a convention of the states and uh, some of the the leftist uh, groups that are involved with some of this. But in my estimation, it's dangerous but necessary. Um, and we do need some miracles here. But so for worst idea, I'm going to go with that as well. Aaron. Uh, worst idea is lying multiple times about having a ser- serial domestic abuser on your staff. It's a bad idea. Yeah. What do you think, Todd? Oh, I see you and raise you. How about, uh, in the name of transgenderism, uh, forcing a male teacher to watch a girl, an underage girl, undress in a high school locker room? That's yeah. pretty bad. That's really bad. I want death. <laughs> Uh, I'm going with Trump's entire visit with North Korea's tyrant, which resulted in an embarrassing, the most embarrassing emasculation of an American president on the global stage. I can recall because most of the country didn't watch Barack Obama bow 
to Islamic sheikhs. We, we got those pictures kind of contraband. We watched this live. The world did live and in real time. A president shilling for one of the worst regimes on planet Earth. Uh, sorry to see you go, Aaron. This is supposed to be about a celebrity, and the person I chose was a celebrity in Leon, Iowa. Gretchen Miller was a very, very important person in my family, and she passed away just a couple, two, three, four months ago. Uh, great, great influence for my parents when they were first married, and she will be missed. She's, uh, she is rejoicing with her husband, Dale, right now. Todd. Stanley. What he started and what's coming to fruition here uh, finally in these next couple months with the final movie. Wow. I mean, unbelievable. I went with Stanley as well. I mean, I think we're talking about one of the greatest, most vivid storytelling portfolios in American history. And if you look at the way he presented himself as a caricature of his own storytelling, in many respects, he's a modern day Mark Twain. Yeah. So I went with him as well. Shannon. Um, I went with Jeff Sessions. Uh, you can agree with him or disagree with him on some of the policies, but uh, of his policies. But I think that he was uh, incredibly influential in some of the enforcement aspects of controlling illegal Im- immigration. And so his departure, uh, also his departure from politics, it's evident now that he's not going to be running for the Senate. And I think he was an important voice. Um, again, I don't always agree with him, but I think that um, that's going to leave a void. All right, we've got 13 minutes. We're going to go through these quicker. 15 minutes of fame. Whose 15 minutes of fame was up, Todd? Uh, for all the reasons you already mentioned, Lindsey Graham. Shannon. The Caravan of Illegals. Aaron. The Fidget Spinner. Yeah, <laughs> that was more like 15 seconds. Yeah. Jeff Flake, man. Oh, yeah. Please, Allah, please. I will freaking trek to Mecca if I'm not talking about him at this time next year, please. Best spin, Shannon. It would have to be the border fence. So Donald Trump and MAGA took 14 miles of new fencing in a piddly $1.6 billion and turned it into a massive story that the wall was being built that so many gobbled up. So that's the best spin. Aaron, this happened just this last weekend. Uh, quote, uh, totally clears President Trump. That's a pretty good spin. <laughs> That was that was something, uh, Todd. Mine has grand negative and positive consequences. The whole uh, Me Too packaging movement. I mean, it's Neil Tegrassi, guys, uh, the rape dungeon being exposed of Matt Lauer. I mean, it's but it's also behind Brett Kavanaugh and things getting way too out of control. So it is it gotten a lot of power very fast. I, I went with Lindsey Gramnesty waiting until his former sensei, John McCain's body, was barely cold to then repackage himself as our new conservative hero. I thought that was the best spin of the year. Most honest, Aaron. Uh, Dylan Pontiff, who is the crossdresser who uh, organized the Lafayette, Louisiana drag queen this story hour yeah. for saying that they are trying to groom the next generation to be accepting and not accepting of hate. Yep. They, he literally said the word grooming multiple times. That's a good one, Todd. We're in the same place. The transgendering of everything. It, it, it <laughs> is a perfect encapsulation of the Romans 1 moment. It, it's showing it to you in technicolor. Mm. Shannon, quickly, go. Um, For best spin? I already did best spin. No, most I- honest. Oh, most honest. Okay, this would be The Swamp. I don't know if you guys saw the docu-series featuring Tom Garrett, Ken Buck, Dave Bratt, and Rod Bloom. One of the most honest uh, series I have seen in years. It exposes uh, what is really going on in the D.C. swamp, and I would say that was the most honest thing I've seen all year. Yeah, I think, didn't we produce that? Yeah, that was CRTV. Yeah, I thought we produced that, yeah. The boys. Uh, George, Georgia Democrat governor's uh, candidate's aide, 
Shirley Abrams candidate's aide, I cannot remember her name, <laughs> who literally admitted on camera they were, quote, we're looking for votes. And she literally said this, we are literally using the courts to get the votes that we need to win. I really appreciated her breathtaking honesty. Most overrated, Shannon. Alexandria Acosta-Cortez. I think that she is um, she is charismatic, but I think that she is highly, highly overrated. That's evidenced in the fact that Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House again. Aaron. Uh, most uh, overrated is Believe All Women. Mm, that's good. That is a good one. Todd. You know, it's true, America. Instant replay in sports. Okay. Enough. Enough. You're going to be my enough already next year is what's going to happen. <laughs> all right. Uh, I went with uh, Republican con- House majority. W- what do you need one for? Uh, for? They don't do any of the judicial nominees we all care the most about, right? So for two years, all you got was a temporary tax cut. That, that's it. So to me, the most overrated is the Republican House majority. Most underrated, Aaron. The truth. Mm, Todd. Well, my answer is along those lines. It's uh, progressivism, not in terms of uh, aspiring to as a value, but it's it's reality. The the, the fact how dominant it is in all of our thinking. The way, it is it is the Overton window, and most yeah. people don't know it. Shannon, I'm going to go with Jarvanka. I think that Jared and Ivanka exercise an enormous amount of political. Uh, influence on President Trump. And so I think they're the most underrated entities in politics today. I went with the Supreme Court's unleashing what I think is going to be the next big growth industry in America. It's the dot-com boom um, mixed with uh, the growth of uh, sports entertainment. And that is uh, the legalization of sports betting. Uh, and, And I think most people have missed the impact this is going to have. Because I think they think it's going to operate under the same, you know, state casino, and it won't be like that at all. It's going to be um, a national platform, uh, and and you're going to do it like you do fantasy football and things of that nature. But you're going to do it with today's dot com technology as well. So I thought that was the most underrated story uh, or event of 2018. What's your New Year's resolution, Todd? Uh, in every public setting. Uh, and probably especially this summer when it's like 90 degrees outside, I'm constantly going to be singing, ooh, baby, it's cold outside. <laughs> uh, that thing that was going around Twitter yesterday, seduce me in four words, hashtag sedu- <laughs> yeah. I put hashtag baby, it's cold outside. Yeah. That was my answer to that. Uh, Shannon, what's your New Year's resolution? You know, in this business, when you're focusing exclusively on politics, at least for me, I tend to worry sometimes and, and worry too much. And so my resolution for 2019 is to um, is to trust that God is in control and to focus on the truth, tell the truth no matter what, and the chips will fall where they fall. I'm not going to worry about the outcomes, um, only, only the truth. So no worrying, focus on the truth, let the chips fall where they may. Aaron? This is uh, deeply personal to me and I, um, you know, I hope I don't make anybody uncomfortable by saying this, but this is kind of a problem that I've had and um, I guess you describe it as a bad habit going back for the last you know, six or seven years and been kind of a running joke amongst my friends and uh, starting to become a running joke on this show as well. Uh, I want to, I want to stay awake from most of the movies that I watch at home <laughs> over the next year. <laughs> Up with people, Aaron McIntyre. <laughs> that is what we call millennial introspection, right Con- there. I'd, I'd right. like to be conscious more. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
I would, and, and here's why he wants to be awake. I, I'd like to be mindlessly entertained uh, and, and, and completely incapacitated uh, for nothing, for no reason whatsoever. Yep. Uh, okay. <laughs> How do I follow that? <laughs> My New Year's resolution is uh, I'm going to pray for, uh, is to pray for our leaders more. Uh, I had been in a pretty good habit with it. We were doing it almost on a nightly basis at our dinner table, for example, uh, as a family. Uh, but uh, this past year, man, I fell off the wagon bigly. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it the best I can to pray for our leaders at least as much as, as we are, I think, in most cases, justifiably complaining about them. All right, so that's my New Year's resolution. All right, we have five minutes left, the final two categories. So you have a little bit of extra time now, all right, to give us the answers uh, that uh, that are the or final three categories, all right? Capitalist of the year, Todd. I've got a couple sprints to the finish on these next two categories. This is a tie uh, between uh, Tariff Man, for all the reasons Shannon talked about in terms of the bold strategic gamut, and Stormy Daniels. Because, man, that gal has been dancing around more poles across America because of her time spent in the spotlight. She is going cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. All right, Shannon. I'm going to go with Evangelical Inc. And I think that they have really done much to capitalize on their connection to the seat of power and use it to their benefit. So Capitalist of the Year goes to uh, Evangelical Inc. Jesus, Jesus wept. Yeah, Aaron. Go ahead. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, capitalist of the year. It you know, capitalism doesn't always mean equal outcomes. It's in fact equal outcomes is inherent to capitalism's success. And um, I think we saw what capitalism, the, the zenith of what capitalism can do, and also the trough of what capitalism can do in the form of one Michael Avenetti with a few uh, with a, a little help from his friends at Cable News. Hmm. I'm going homer again. Um, and I like the merger we've done here with CRTV and The Blaze. And I like the way it's being branded. Uh, we have no idea what the term conservative means yes. anymore. And so, and, we're, and rather than sitting around here and just arguing with each other about what it does and doesn't mean and which Republican does or doesn't meet the whatever standard we think it means, you know what? If, if you have a pro-America view and you believe in free speech and you can draw an audience, you can have a platform here. And to me, make it as simple as you absolutely can. The person of the year, Shannon. I'm going with Jordan Peterson because of his courage um, <laughs> to, to, to be willing to give up something and to stand uh, for what is the truth is um, really amazing to me. And I would, I would love for him to, to influence more. We're going to need more Jordan Petersons moving forward. Aaron. This person, and I'm not... I, I know I start like this sometimes and I and I end up with a joke and I could not be more uh, serious for this person. This person embodies bravery and resiliency in the face of evil and human depravity. I'm getting choked up just thinking about because I just watched it earlier uh, today is Rachel Den Hollander mm. for standing up to Larry Nasser. Nasser, yeah. Sharing yeah. the gospel, the total gospel. Mm-hmm. And um the consequences of sin, but God's grace as well. It's got to be Rachel Den- Denholder. That, that's a modern day Joan of Arc, mm-hmm. yeah. right there. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Todd. That's a good one. Well, w- back when the uh, prequels for Star Wars were being promoted, they, there was the shadow of Darth Vader of what was to come. Picture the shadow of Donald Trump on a Time magazine cover, and then in front of it, split down the middle, the miserable Michaels. 
Michael Cohen and Michael Avenetti, one on one side, one on the other, what Trump and being in his orbit births? I'm close to you. Michael Avenetti was my person of the year. Uh, I think um, no one bettered and better embodied the spirit of the age, a complete and total knuckle dragger on every level of human assessment. And with just uh, a few turns of phrases and a little craven opportunism uh, became a, a household name. Uh, became a, a you know a force of nature culturally, and then we watched him in just the last three days, supernova in spectacular fashion, just as fast as he rose to daily prominence, undone by all of the same zeitgeist tools that made him uh, a tour of defor- tour de force to begin with. So Michael Evanetti proved you live by the sword and you die by the sword. Your big prediction for next year. This is the two minute warning. Shannon, go. I think that Trump is going to begin to triangulate in 2019 and seek alliances with Democrats. And so I think he's going to pass their unibrow bills. He's going to align with the Democrats and the rhino Republicans. But I also believe that they are going to probably impeach him anyway. Aaron, say it with me, class. President Mike Pence. Mm. One of my most connected friends in all in, in, in my entire network texted me this morning he agrees with you on this actually todd uh we just saw a uh teacher get fired for not using the right pronouns get used to that this is going to be the year of kim davis writ large you're going to get rounded up folks i'm going in with pop culture jj abrams will use hit the next star wars movie that comes out this time next year to completely rebuke the start the last jedi when he releases episode nine next december i think he will change ray's heritage back to something substantial he will give uh luke skywalker a less obnoxious and a more obvious heroic narrative uh overall making a movie that will reset disney's star wars universe in direct response to all of the divisiveness surrounding its current direction. I love The Last Jedi. I understand, though, I'm in the minority amongst the fans, and I think J.J. Abrams will come back to put it back on the right path to the light side of the Force again. Shannon, great work this year. It's a pleasure having you with us here on the show. We appreciate it as always, okay? Thanks, guys. It's fun. For the rest of you, we've got two more days to look back at the year that was 2018. Tomorrow, we've got our top 10 stories of the year. We look back on the predictions I made uh, for this year, 12 months ago. And then on Friday, we empty the tank. We go through as many of uh, the year's emails that we haven't gotten to as we possibly can for our final feedback Friday. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.